Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ambiguous Podcast Solution. I am your host and your founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. Um, this is the podcast, if this is your first time listening, first off, welcome. This is the podcast where the four leaders of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions go and talk to other podcasters and kind of get their story, why they started, what they can offer to the podcasting community. So today, I am joined by Vince Warnock, a New Zealander, which is low-key my favorite country I've always wanted to visit. So, Vince, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Will. And you are always welcome in New Zealand, by the way. I got, so you're telling me I got a place to crash. Yeah, yeah, you totally have a place to crash. <laughs> we might just have to wait for the borders to open up a little bit. You know, that'll be fine. Give it a, give it a year. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I don't want to talk too much about New Zealand. I do want to actually introduce <laughs> you proper, but I got to ask you, how close are you to Hobbiton? Uh, oh, very close. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. I'm in Wellington. It, it's literally, I can drive there from here and take about probably 40 minutes to get out there. I love it. I yeah. love it. That's It's on my bucket list. I'm going to go to Bag End one day because, Vince, I got to tell you, I'm a massive, massive Lord of the Rings fan. So did you, did awesome. you grow up in New Zealand your whole life? Uh, yes, whole life. So in obviously in Wellington. Now, Weta Workshop was in Wellington, um, I believe. So like yep, how – how, um, cause they were filming in 99 into 2000, it was an 18 month shoot. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. So like, yeah. how, how was it in, in the late nineties, in the early two thousands? Like I even like, you know, the, the premiere, the very first premiere in Wellington for the fellowship of the ring. Like how, how was that living through that? That was insane to be honest. Um, we, we kind of had, I mean, look, I, we've known Peter Jackson for many years. Like he, he grew up around the corner from my wife um, and, and I've dealt with him through various different uh, businesses I've had. We had no idea how big this was going to be though. Um, absolutely no idea. So when, when Lord of the Rings kind of launched onto the world, when we had the premiere and just seeing some of the celebrities in town as well, by the way, we're a very small country in New Zealand. We've got 5 million people here. Right. So when you have um, celebrities of the, caliber that were here for Lord of the Rings then you really notice it so it was it was just surreal we were there for I was there for the premiere I went down the red carpet with everyone it was amazing um just such a cool experience and then to see the reception that the movie had or the movies had around the world was quite mind-blowing it was basically it reminded me of being seven years old again and going to see Star Wars for the first time. It was that level of excitement it seemed around the world. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially that third movie, Return of the King, going eleven for eleven in the Oscars. But we can, oh, yeah. we convince, we can do a whole separate podcast just on that experience, Lord of the Rings. But let's get into <laughs> your actual podcast. So you ha- ha- host um, a f- uh, the Chasing the Insight podcast, which is a fireside chat with some of the biggest and brightest minds in marketing and sales. So I know a guy you need to talk to. Um, they, they, uh, they talk through the insights they have learned through their careers, the highs and lows, lessons they know, and lessons they wish uh, they knew much earlier. So Vince, that is a very interesting concept. So my first question is, um, how did you come up with that? Um, okay, well... The podcast is actually a bit of a passion project. So I'll, I'll take a step back for a moment. I last year published my first book, which was called Chasing the Insights. Um, and that really, that was something I've been wanting to do for some time, but it really is about the methodologies that I've created that have, um, like I'm quite well known in the marketing industry here and in a lot of places around the world actually, but for the frameworks that I've created, for the techniques I've created that have shown tangible results. So I uh, was at the time chief marketing officer at Cigna 
and I would have mm. signal country like all the different signal offices around the world contacting me going, hey, we want in on this. We need to know your frameworks. We need to learn more of this. We need you to teach us. So can you give us an hour a week? Well, when you've got 40-something countries going, hey, we want an hour a week, then that's a full-time job. So I thought, I'm never going to get anything done, so forget that. Instead, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to outline my framework. I'm going to outline the mindset that's required to implement all the frameworks that I put in there. And then I'm going to give them some practical experiments that they can run. So I really was birthed out of that. And that way I can just sell the book to them. I'll make some money off it, which is always nice, of course. Of course. Um, and I don't have to keep over explaining myself because I was getting bored with it. So, so I launched that and that had a phenomenal response, um, a really big response. Then coming into the, this year, um, I'm an ex-radio announcer. I worked for a number of years on one of our biggest radio stations here as an as announcer and absolutely loved it. It was, uh, it was my dream job since I was about seven years old. Mm. Uh, I remember listening to my first crystal radio set and sitting there listening to these people going, wait, they're paid to play music and they're paid to interview and talk with people and have fun. Whoa, this is an incredible job. So I thought that's, a, that's what I wanted to do. I finally landed that job um, purely serendipitously. and as soon as I did that, I realized two things. Number one, it was everything I hoped it would be. Uh, and number two, it pays really poorly. So like there's no pay in radio, especially as radio started to decline more and more. Yeah. So that all kind of built up to this year where I thought, you know what, I want to do, this is my year of doing um, different things. Uh, I resigned from Cigna in January, left in February. Um, and that was to pursue writing my next book. Um, and that then expanded into, you know what, I've got all this time. I've got all these people that need help out there. So I should expand my services, launch the podcast, do some coaching work, some marketing strategy work. And then now I'm writing instead of one book, I'm writing two books because, you know, apparently that's what you do. So, um, so that's kind of where it came from and, and what inspired me to do it. It's something that I have uh, had a kind of desire to do for a number of years. It was just this year that kind of caused me to do pull my head out of my bottom and go, you know what? I'm just going to launch. Instead of worrying about all the perfection aspects of, is the audio going to be 100%? Uh, is the marketing going to be 100%? I have to have all the line, all the whole year. It was like, you know what? Forget about it. I'm just going to, um, hang on uh, one moment. Uh, there we go. I am just going to... Um, Sorry, somebody else jumped into the call, man. <laughs> All good, man. <laughs> like, I'm oh, Arthur. No. We're good. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was really, really awkward. Um, I don't have any other meetings in there. Anyway, we're back to track. Uh, yeah, so it's something I've really wanted to do for a number of years. And I thought, you know what? This is the year where I'm not going to worry about perfection. I'm not going to worry about whether the audio is 100%, whether marketing is 100%. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to announce on social media that I'm launching a podcast and I'm going to just hit the ground running. And that's exactly what it is. It's been going about three and a half months now. Yeah, see, that's that's what's interesting. I, mean, I do I do want to get to your book because that is it is a big part of your actual podcast. But back to like the the radio announcer, right? As something that you as I would describe as like my dream job was a radio announcer. Um, to an extent. And then podcasting kind of fell into my lap, and now here we are, uh, five years later. So you had a this time as a radio announcer. Why did it take you so long, I guess, to start this podcast? Were you just so busy <laughs> with your 20 years marketing experience? Were you just so busy as to have the time? And then 2020 happens, you know, the whole world shut down, and now all you have yeah. is time. It's, it is kind of that, to be honest. Uh, like, 
The, the busyness definitely, um, and I mean, definitely affected that. So particularly yeah. last year, being being CMO um, is just insane. Like the, it's such a full-on job. We were bringing two companies together as well. We just bought another company the same size as ours. Um, and also we had a whole pile of other things that we needed to launch. So I was feeling the burnout by the end of last year anyway. Um, so there was absolutely no scope to do something exciting like launching a podcast. But the other aspect of that is um, I'm a perfectionist. And by that, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm self-sabotaging myself in the fact that I, I'm afraid, you know, what if it doesn't work? What if I launch it and no one listens to it? All right. of those kind of things. So I pretend that I'm a perfectionist and go, you know, everything has to be 100%. So I'll put it off for a number of years. So this year, it was kind of the case of going, it, it did coincide with COVID, but COVID wasn't the pure reason that I launched. It was more around, I'm going to do a year of different. I'm going to do a year of saying yes to opportunities and I'm going to do a year of basically um, looking for different things to try and podcast was very high up that rank. So, so yeah, that's why I launched. Okay. Love it. So tell me about your book, um, chasing the insights. Now the relationship between a podcast and a book. This isn't like it's not like a, like a like a like a groundbreaking idea. You name a podcast after your book, but the relationship <laughs> between those two is very very important. So, kind of talk yeah. to me about your book and how your podcast like relates to your book. I mean, so I'm assuming like when you talk to a lot of your guests, like you you mention the book or the themes kind of related to your book. Because you know, as yeah. most of the podcast, you're also trying to sell extra copies of your book. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's a really good point. I should probably um, sell copies of my book through the podcast. <laughs> I never even think to do it. Um, yeah, look, it, it's oh, this is an interesting one. So the book itself is about um, experimentation. Um, so with digital marketing. So, you know, as I said, I'm a marketer. That's my background. And experimentation has kind of given me the right to get the wins. As in, it gives you like a compound interest approach to wins you constantly kind of trying different things little iterative changes making progress making progress and then next thing you know you're far further on than you actually were before so that was the kind of premise behind it but within that is a pile of the the i want to call them mantras it's the wrong word really but a pile of the different things that i've believed over my life that i try and install into other people and one of those is one of the first things I do with any team that I take over or any team that I'm creating is I say to them, look, this is a safe zone, guys, right? You don't have to know everything about digital marketing or marketing in general because you can't know everything about it. In fact, there's going to be basic principles of marketing or digital marketing that you don't even know, and that is okay. If we're sitting in a meeting and someone brings up some system, some acronym, some industry term that you're not familiar with, you know what? It's fine. Just come and ask me. You, there'll be no judgment. Uh, because I know the fruits of your work. I know that you're good at what you do. Right. Um, and in doing that, I've been trying to teach them that it's a safe place to try new things. And by that, they can try and experiment. If it doesn't work, that's not actually a bad thing. I'm trying to teach people that to try something new, whether it's in your entrepreneurial endeavors or whether it's in digital marketing or marketing in general, to try something new means you are testing a hypothesis. You are saying, I have this theory or I have this hypothesis that if I do X, Y result will happen. So then when you try that and it works, great, you've proven your hypothesis. If it doesn't work, you haven't failed. You've just disproven the hypothesis, which is as valuable as proving it. Because it within that failure, or what we call as failure, but in that disproving, is a whole pile of learnings that you can take away to help you to move into the next test or to the next experiment. 
So that was the premise behind it. It was very kind of centric around digital marketers. But there was a, a saying that I, I put in there, which I try and teach my team, which is we don't chase the wins, we chase the insights. Mm. And uh, that's kind of what came out of the book. And that was what I really wanted to do with anybody that I'm interviewing. When I talk to them, it's not necessarily about the successes. Um, it's about their journey, how they got to where they are, why they're so passionate about what they do, but also what they've learned over the years. That can be the things they've learned that have worked and the things that they've learned that haven't worked. So that way, anyone listening to the show can go, I'm going to step on the shoulder of these giants and I'm, I don't have to learn their mistakes because they've already made those mistakes and I've learned just from hearing them. So I thought that was really important. The other aspect is I, I did think when I left Cigna, I thought, right, I'm going to do a number of things. I'm writing my next book. I'm also going to be doing some coaching and things. I thought I need to come up with a brand for myself. I can either adopt the Vince Warnock brand or I can create a new one. So I thought about creating a new one. Uh, and I was talking with one of my clients and they were in San Diego and they were wandering around. They caught up with some friends and they said, oh, I'm working with this guy from New Zealand. They said, New Zealand. Oh, wow. Who's that? And they said, oh, it's this guy, Vince Warnock. And they went, oh, you mean the chasing the insights guy? <laughs> and they fed that back to me. And I realized, you know what, whether I like it or not, whether I accept it or not, I have a brand. I'm known as the chasing the insights guy. So why not, why not run at that? Why not just grab it and go, you know what, that's me. So everything I do now, the, the training work I do, the coaching work is under the chasing the insights Academy. Um, the podcast is the chasing the insights podcast. So it kind of all, it kind of weirdly found fell together, but in the same way, it also naturally fits together. Right. All right. Let's let's talk about entrepreneurship because that's like mm. that's that's a theme of one your life, my life, and your book. Yeah. Uh, but actually, you know, strike that reverse. That you had to know this was coming. Where can I find your book? <laughs> um, you can find everything about me at one place, which is chasingtheinsights.com. So um, on there is obviously the podcast, but also I have a page on there for the book itself uh, and also any programs or virtual summits or anything like that I've got coming up. Again, they're all there. Plus also a uh, shameless plug here, but a link to my Facebook group, which is uh, full of oh, over 300 now entrepreneurs uh, who all are incredibly supportive and have a whole pile of fun. So yeah. All right. I, I like you give me the opportunity to do a shameless plug. This is of, great, man. Of course, this, you know, <laughs> life's about shameless plugs. Um, all right, so you, have, so you have a Facebook with 300 entrepreneurs in it. So that yep. is a perfect segue to uh, entrepreneurship. Now, how would you define entrepreneurship? And talk to me about the relationship between an entrepreneur and their podcast. Now, actually, side question as well. Out of those 300 people, how many of them have their own podcast? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, how many? Um, give an estimate. How many would you think? And like, how very few how, actually. How, in, in that group of three hundred, I know of about five that have a podcast, and that might be it. Unless there's any in there that I, I'm not aware of their podcast yet. But um, but yeah, probably only about five that I know of outside of myself, obviously. Because I think if you're going to be an entrepreneur, right? Which to me is, I define entrepreneur as like someone who is trying to be self-made. Right, trying to yeah. find their own way, be their own boss, create their own business. And to me, it's just like you need to have a podcast. Like you <laughs> need to. It's like it's it's an absolute must because if you're trying to like sell yourself as an entrepreneur, you know, the podcast is just your voice and it's your it's yeah. your it's your it's your muse to get your thoughts and feelings out there, not only about just your business, but about who you are as a person. So if I'm listening oh, yeah. to a podcast and if I'm an entrepreneur and they're selling me something, you know, I'm going to be more likely to buy it if I know who that person is personally. And like a podcast, the P stands for personal. 
So talk yeah. to me about your relationship as an entrepreneur with your podcast and how the entrepreneurial spirit kind of meshes and molds in the podcasting community. Absolutely. Well, the first thing is my definition of um, entrepreneur is very is similar to yours. But one of the things I always say is an entrepreneur is somebody who is creating something that doesn't exist. Mm. And by that, I mean, you could be one, you know, you could be creating a coaching program. And yes, you're one of 100,000 other coaches out there with similar programs to yourself. But the reality is you're the only version of you. And what you add to that program is unique and it's unique to you. So therefore, you are creating something that does not exist. You're calling it into existence. You're birthing it, however you want to, however you want to word that. But that, is, that requires something special. And I recall I was doing some work. I do a lot of work with students and um, through accelerator programs. So I do a lot of mentoring and teaching and things. And there is a financial technology, uh, what we call FinTech Accelerator mm. here in New Zealand. And a lot of the young companies were in there going, hey, how do we how do we get cut through? You know, we, we don't have reputations. We, we're not, we're new to financial services and yet we're trying to build something that's going to uh, impact a high, high trust environment, such as financial services. You know, you can't just come in there and go, I'm Joe Bloggs. You've never heard of me, but I've got an offering <clears throat> in financial services you need to hear about because most people go, well, trusting you with financial data and with something that's really important to me. And as, as you know, I rely on for my business is not something they give away easy. So one of the things I teach, uh, teach them is how to create that high trust value, how to be a thought leader in an industry that they're not even in yet. And part of that is actually accepting the fact that you are unique, accepting the fact that your journey is part of your personal brand mm. and understanding that, you know, just the, even the fact that you have left your nine to five job, or in some cases they're working on the side, but the fact you're putting this effort into something that most people most people don't have the courage to do that makes you already stand out amongst everybody else so incorporating that into their story working out their why and why they're passionate about it is how they build that trust so and, um, to me entrepreneurship is a, is a high calling i always say marriage is, is number one for me um my relationship with my wife is the most important relationship in the world Definitely. bar none i don't care about anyone else um second is my children they are just amazing and third i have a calling to create things to birth these things into existence and to try and impact the world so um so that's my definition of entrepreneur you're you're right with podcasts however i would challenge you on one aspect now this is coming from podcasts i love podcasts honestly it is one of the most effective way to build relationships with other entrepreneurs it is an effective way to get your voice out there to keep salience really high but one of the one of the things i would say is for entrepreneurs one of their biggest challenges is they need to consistently turn up for their clients mm. they need to be consistently in front of them whether that's on podcasts or on facebook lives or linkedin lives or whether it's via youtube they have to choose the channel that is congruent with them, the channel that feels right for them. In some cases, you can get really efficient and do it on multiple channels. Like you can record a podcast, take the video, throw it on YouTube as well. And you're in two different places to try and impact people. Yep. But the reality is it has to feel natural to you. And a lot of the clients I feel I, I work with would feel uncomfortable on video, but they can do it. But podcast for them is just, that's too much mental energy to think about that. So um, there's a bit of work required to try and convert them over to the wonderful world of podcasting. But um, but podcasting, the link between podcast and entrepreneur, I think is is the, the, the link is just built into it. I mean, you have to be an entrepreneur to have a podcast anyway, because you've got to market yourself, exactly. you've got to build it, you've got to you know, make sure you're getting financially secure with it, or, or at least 
not making losses with the podcast because it does, if you're using a decent uh, hosting platform, it does cost you. Um, so all of those things tie very closely to the heart of who you are as an entrepreneur. But for me, launching the podcast resulted in, like I knew that this was a passion project. So I knew I was doing this for, um, for my own enjoyment, to be honest. You know, it was something I really wanted to do. But I also knew that there was going to be some tangible benefits off the back of it. One of those is I knew I was going to um, get in front of different audiences that I wouldn't have before. And that as a marketer is really important. That particularly in my line of business where I'm trying to help entrepreneurs, if they're listening to the show, they hear my level of expertise, they hear the experts that I have on there and they immediately think, okay, this is something I, need, I can trust. So that I thought was going to be you know, a tangible benefit. But one of the benefits I didn't realize was I, the format of my show is to interview all these leaders. So these are marketing and sales leaders, these are entrepreneurs who are really doing different things and getting good results. And in doing that and in interviewing these people, you end up forming these relationships. And some of these people have become very good friends of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've done now partnerships uh, together. We've done collaborations. We've done all sorts of different things there to help each other out just through forming this connection on a podcast. But also, you get the opportunity as a podcast host to get access to networks that you may never have before. Because if you're reaching out to, I don't know, say you're reaching out to an entrepreneur, uh, you're re reaching out to someone like uh, a Gary V or something. It's probably a poor example. No, it's a um, no, no, that, that, is, that is the example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, everyone like, you know, the wannabe entrepreneurs listen to Gary V and say it's fake motivation. You're like, that, that's the joke around the internet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah but exactly. He is, he is the he is the entrepreneur who just takes entrepreneur crack and just snorts it every single morning. He just eats, <laughs> sleeps, and breathes entrepreneurship. He's like, he's like 10 plus. It's too much. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's like, I yeah, want to be yeah. Gary Vee just dialed back. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, this is a good point. If you want, if you want Gary Vee on, uh, you, know, you want to work with Gary Vee, for example, because every entrepreneur would think, man, if I got into a partnership, no matter what, by the way, all the ones who criticize Gary Vee, if Gary Vee rocked up to them and said, I'd like to go into a collaboration with you or a partnership with you, they A, they'd faint, and B, they'd just be going, yes, 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 a yeah. thousand times yes. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the bravado and the, oh, Gary Vee's so fake. Yeah, sure, whatever. We know you admire him. Oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> right? No, yeah. if you're an entrepreneur, you have to, like, you, you can, like, yeah. you can critique Gary Vee, but you got to yeah. give him the respect as he works, he works the, he's the hardest working entrepreneur that's exactly. probably ever existed. Yeah, and, and even down to your point, you can critique him, but really, can you? Because he's doing things that you aren't doing, and he's far further ahead than all of you. Exactly. Um, and I say that because not many people are at the level of Gary V. Yeah. So if you're if you're at his level or higher, you could possibly critique him a bit and say, "Well, Gary, you know that's not the best way to do this, and that's not the best way to do that." But the reality is, he's doing it. We're not. Uh, we can't really criticize him. So <laughs> anyway, but if you if you want to work with Gary, um, reaching out to him and saying, I'd love to do a collaboration, you're going to get almost zero response. Yeah, definitely. But reaching out to him and saying, hey, I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I love the way you operate. I run a podcast, you know, where I have, you know, whatever it is, I think I've got 1600 per episode or something. Um, you know, all these people listening in, all these entrepreneurs, they are your target audience. I would love to interview you on the show and expose you to all these different people. And you will get more chance. Now, Gary Vee was a bad pick because he's actually so busy. It'll be very hard to get him on the show. Like, honestly, yeah, I think Pat no. Flynn got him on for about 15 minutes and Pat's huge. Um, but you get access to these people because you're offering them something with nothing in return. Exactly. Like you're just saying, I'm giving you access to this audience. I want to interview you on here. I get a bit of credibility by having someone that large on the show. Sure. 
but really it is about profiling you. So you've got more chance of getting access to them and then it opens up the relationship. Suddenly you're in a different dynamic with them. You're not someone in there going, hey, I want this, I want this, I want this. You're suddenly someone going, hey, any, is there any way I can help out? You know, and, and that change in the dynamic means they're more open to work with you and they're more open to form that kind of relationship with you. Yeah, and not only that, like I used, to, I used to listen to Gary Vee a lot and now it's mm. like he, he just releases too much content I can't keep up. So I was like, oh, I got to yeah, cut so him off. It's exhausting. Right, yeah. it's, he is exhausting. But like what something he would do is if he appears on someone else's podcast, he mm. will then take that audio, you know, change up a little bit, but he will release it on his own feed. So he exposes them to his audience, which is something that might sound counterproductive, but no, it's, it's, it's not like, like Vince, if I gave you this file, I was like, Hey, in two months, put this on your feed. That's going to benefit me Yeah, yeah, as well as it's going to benefit you. Um, but you know, we can talk about the pros, the pros of entrepreneurship and podcasting, but there's also a con, a con it's, it's inevitable. It has to be there. And with that, which I think someone highly underestimates when they first start a podcast, especially as an entrepreneur, is the time commitment, how much time it actually takes, which is what I did, multiple in the one. It's like, you know, podcasting is my job. It is my business. It's not just part of my business. It is my business. So like Vince, you, it's probably, it's part of your business. So how much time do you put into your podcast like per week? Because you release one Um, episode a week. Yeah, I do two episodes per week now. Um, yeah, so I, I started with one and my challenge was I had so many people I wanted to interview on the show and so many different people I wanted to connect with that it just got out of hand really quickly. <laughs> when, you, when you're sitting there going, okay, I've got episodes that are going to run till March next year. Yep. Now I need to speed things up and get them out there. <laughs> yep. Otherwise, some of the episodes will never be able to air because they're time sensitive. <laughs> Vince, trust so, me, you were, you were yeah, one of so, 40 people to reach out to me. <laughs> I, I, I know the feeling. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so, so I, I absolutely love it. And for me, like I break it down into three, four different aspects or four different things that you have to do with a podcast, right? So there's obviously the connecting with the speakers and interviewing them. Um, that part to me is not work um, because I enjoy it so much. I, mm-hmm. I'm a high extrovert. So just connecting with people makes me happy anyway. Um, and some of the people I'm connecting with are genuinely some of the nicest people in the industry. In fact, I try to only choose people that uh, have a similar kind of outlook on life. So they're positive entrepreneurs, they're opportunists, they're they're good to people, they're empathetic, they're nice, you know, all those kind of things. Um, I don't want the, uh, yeah, no, I probably won't name them on the show. Um, I don't want the type of entrepreneurs that treat other people like jerks or the other type of marketers who just treat everybody as potential fodder for them. I want people who are ethically based, who are heart-centered, who really care about people. Uh, and that way it comes through on the show. Uh, when I've connected with them personally and I've, we're on the same wavelength, it really does show. One, one of my favorite episodes I've ever done is with my accountability coach. Mm. And we just, uh, she came on the show and she starts talking about, because she's a, like a numerologist and uh, all these different things. And I said, nah, we're not talking about that. She went, oh, I said, nah, we're not going down the woo-woo rabbit hole. Like, <laughs> let's talk about things. I want this to be inclu- as inclusive as possible for people. And she goes, oh, that makes perfect sense. So she was awesome about it. So we just had a blast. And because her and I have a very good chemistry anyway, because she is my accountability coach, she literally has my wife on speed dial. Because if one of her jobs um, is to make sure that I'm looking after myself, because I have a tendency uh, to overwork if I'm not careful. So she will check in with me, see how much I've done writing wise. If I haven't done any writing in a week, that's a giant red flag that I'm too busy. 
So she will call my wife and get, let's, uh, let's gang up on him. <laughs> so I get, I get beat up from both sides. It's wonderful. Um, so, so having her on the show and having that rapport with her, it just came across and people have re-listened to and re-listened to and re-listened to that episode because A, there's a lot of good content in there, but B, it just feels like you're listening in on a conversation between two mates, which is exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really important. So that side of it isn't work for me. That is just me hanging out with people I like. The work part of it is you then have to obviously edit the audio. You've got to edit it. I've got that down to a fine art. It doesn't take me too long to do that. Probably about, 40 minutes per episode um, so it's 40 minutes times two per week um, and then turning it into the marketing materials like uploading it to Libsyn is probably a five minute job it's actually it's so simple with these platforms it's unbelievable but um but I've got to create the landing page for that or you know the show notes page for it I've got to create the copy around that I've got to create the marketing um, assets for it so each episode I do individual artwork for each episode which mm -hmm. um, someone told me was a stupid idea no, they're wrong. Uh, after doing it for a couple <laughs> of months, wrong. I tend That's to agree. terrible advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, having, having the individual show um, assets is actually, I think, is quite important. Yeah, 100%. Mainly because I give that to each of the different speakers and I make life easy for them. I give them a script if they want it. I give them copies of the graphics. I do them a uh, audiogram, you know, using Headliner, which has like a little snippet of the audio and yep. a visual behind it and things like that as well. So I give them everything they need to make it really easy for them to push it in their networks and go, Hey, I was on Vince's show. We had so much fun. We talked about this. And also, did you know X or did you know Y that kind of thing and, and check out the show. So that part of it and then the marketing side of it in general, that's the bit that takes up the most amount of time. And for me, that is probably um, two to three hours, maybe three to four hours actually every week. So I've got that. So all up, probably about six hours, I'd say. How about that? Now, huh. um, yeah, in saying that, I day. am currently going to outsource a lot of that as well. So I'm obviously the interviews will never be outsourced. That's my, my happy place. The uh, audio editing I'll probably keep for now just because I've got really efficient at it. But the, uh, all the marketing side of things and that, I've got a VA who's starting with me who's going to be helping out. And that's just to reduce those overheads and that workload for myself. Right. Okay, you already answered my next question. What was something you want to cut down time? So it sounds like it's the marketing, which is ironic oh, yeah, yeah, because that's, that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> right? yeah. it's, it's the marketing and the repurposing because um, this is the problem. When, you, when you're good at marketing too, you, you know what should be done and it frustrates you when you don't have time to get it done. So actually outsourcing that to someone else is really, really powerful. Yeah. But it's going, because what I want to do with each episode, you know, I, I interview someone, say I interviewed you, Will, I'd have you on the show. I'd be able to create, get someone to create all the assets for you so you can share it in your network. But then what I want them to do is I want them to transcribe the episode and I want them to take some of that and turn it into different social posts. I want them to turn some of it into a blog post or a mini ebook or something along those lines and being able to push that out there. So it's creating multiple levels of content from the one piece from that interview. Yeah. Uh, and then we can push it onto YouTube. We can do all sorts of different things. Yeah. I, I call it, I call it recycling content, right? I like, like it. You, you, yeah. ha you have, and you have an hour podcast that can be broken down into a million different things. And it only takes you an hour to actually do. And you do that once a week, you have a lifetime of content for all these different platforms, which you need to be on literally all of them. Like yeah. um, my, my philosophy for podcasting in particular is everything needs to be everywhere. Always. I like it. Right? Yep. It's essentially, it's people are like, what does that even mean? It's like, listen to it. Everything, everything, <laughs> everything you do needs yep. to be 
on as many places as possible as often as possible. Everything needs it. to be yep. everywhere always. All right. So let's let's go back to your actual guests. Um, yeah. Finding guests can be rather difficult. So how do you find your guests? Do they need to find a certain, do they need to fit a certain criteria? Do they need to like check off a certain amount of boxes or are you li- talking to literally anybody? Um, there, there is criteria. So I, it's kind of a combination of both of those actually. Like I will talk to most people. Um, but what I do is if somebody approaches me, for example, and says, I'd love to be on the show, I will ensure that I jump on a Zoom call with them first. And the reason for that is I'm very upfront with them, you know, in a nice way of saying, look, you know, I just want to make sure you're the right fit because if you're not a right fit for the show or you and I don't click together, then it's going to come across really poorly and it'll put us both in a bad light. So, mm-hmm. so what I do is I jump on just a, a 20, 30 minute call. Uh, we joke around usually. We talk a little bit about the area of expertise, but really what I'm looking for there is how well do we get on? Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be a connection there because I have early on, um, I always be careful how I say this because they might listen to your show at some point, but there is someone who I interviewed for the podcast before I used to do the Zoom calls, interviewed for the podcast, and it was the driest, even though this person's brilliant at what they do, it was one of the driest podcast episodes. And it's as much me as it is them. There was no connection and no rapport between the two of us. And actually, I found myself halfway through disagreeing with what they were saying and thinking, well, I, I'm, I'm firm believer I don't embarrass people in a live environment like that. So I'm not going to turn around and go, well, you're wrong. But what I do is I try and steer the conversation in the right direction. So they were saying about a particular technique that they use, uh, which I disagreed with because I thought it was unethical. So what, what they said, though, they were talking about this technique. And then they said, because all of that is about relationships. And I went, ah. I see what you did there. I said, and then I went off on the relationship aspect and said, yeah, it's, you're right. It's really important that we build relationships with people. Um, I know your technique's a bit controversial because it can be seen as unethical, but the relationship's at the heart of it, and we focused on the positive. Uh, so I spun it in that direction. But even then, at the end of the conversation, I was like, I just don't think I can use this episode because right. it was really, I played it to my wife and she just went, oh, no, yeah, you don't have a good rapport with them at all. So I make sure that I, the criteria they have to fit is they have to be ethical. They have to have that conversation with me first. Um, and there has to be a rapport there. Outside of that, the sky's the limit. Like I have spoken to, um, I've had actors on the show. I've had, um, what have I had? Actors. I've got a singer coming up on the show. I've got a wrestler coming up on the show. I've got a number of different things from all, all over the world uh, and people from literally all over the world. But my main criteria is that they are a voice that I think needs to be heard because mm. they're doing stuff and showing good results and they're helping people to get impact. So if that's if they fit that criteria, it's a really easy fit. Now, I'm assuming most of your interviews are remote due to this the world, but um, yep. is there any, like, how is the entrepreneurship spirit in New Zealand, like the North Island in particular? I mean, the South Island, you know. South Island, South Island, <laughs> a lot, a lot of farmers down there. But like, like I'm is, not getting comment on that. I know a lot of people from South Island. Is, yeah. Like, is is it um, is it easy to find people in person in Auckland? Oh, yeah, uh, and, and well, I'm in Wellington, and oh, well, we have sorry. a thriving uh, entrepreneurship uh, scene. Like uh, a, a huge amount of startups in Wellington. We number run a number of different accelerator programs. So there's always people here I can talk to if I want. Um, I did launch during lockdown over here so 
Uh, in fact, I launched just before lockdown. Oh no, just after lockdown, sorry. So we're still in what we call level two. So I managed to do one of my first ever interviews was a face-to-face -face interview with a good friend of mine, uh, one of my peers in the industry. Uh, so I got him into the studio here at home. We had a few drinks and then we just went, you know, did the recording. It was so much fun. But outside of that, even the local people I do remotely, mainly because they get the comfort of being in their own home. We do it over video. Uh, so usually over Zoom or something like that and record it. Um, and it's just, I still find it quite easy to build that rapport with them. But yeah, you're right. Most of the people I talk to are US, Canada, China, all those kind of places. Love it. Yeah, because I, I know but, but pre-pandemic, um, when things were open and travel was allowed, um, New Zealand in particular, like New Zealand immigration, um, was very pretty open, um, at least in, you know, especially in comparison to Australia. But like New Zealand, yeah. like if, if you have a certain set of skills mainly entrepreneurs that like the industry and developing in New Zealand needs, they would, they would pretty much front the bill for you to move to New Zealand. So as soon as things open up and things like immigration starts up again, I'm sure you have a whole new plethora of people that you can talk to. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to lie. I applied. <laughs> I, I applied for immigration <laughs> in New Zealand like a year and a half ago when I was unemployed. You know, I wasn't finding any answers. And, you know, it just kind of happened in a Google search. It's like New Zealand immigration. I was like, huh. <laughs> it's <Yep>. beautiful. <laughs> maybe maybe, it I, can, maybe I can work as a hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the challenges we do have, by the way, is um so even being like you know being an entrepreneur in new zealand when i had my previous company one of the challenges we had was actually trying to find good developers for example right and we were relying on the government to make it as easy as possible for people to come over here to immigrate over here so that we can bring those skill shortages that we had and it wasn't that we didn't have good quality developers it's just that all of those developers are tied up with a whole pile of other companies. So we have Zero over here, which is huge. We have PowerShop, we have Orion Health, we have all these different places in Wellington. And every time you end up talking to a um, developer, that's where they end up working. So we relied on being able to bring them into the country to find, we've got a designer from Spain, we got a, a PhD accountant from um, China. We So different different roles like that, where you have to bring them over and, and help them to immigrate. Right. All right. So, any any dream guests? I mean, Gary Vee's off the table. All right, Gary Vee's yeah, off the Gary, table. Gary Vee's off the table. Um, I, I don't know if I'd want Gary Vee as a dream guest, actually. And that's no criticism of Gary Vee. It's just I know you're not going to get much time with him, so that would be quite frustrating. Um, one of my one of my dream guests would be uh, Pat Flynn, and the reason for that is Pat is just one of the most genuinely nice people on the internet. So, if if you know, like if I can get somebody on there who has similar kind of experience, similar kind of uh, DNA to myself, similar kind of personality to myself. I think that'd be awesome. And I genuinely think there are not enough nice people in marketing and not enough nice people in entrepreneurship. I was always fighting the whole, oh, you can't be too nice. You have to be ruthless to be a good businessman or be a good entrepreneur. And I'm like, that's bollocks. You can genuinely care about people. That's what you need to do. So um, yeah, so I thought, right, that's it. I'm just going to, I'm going to find nice people out there that I want to interview on the show. And Pat is just one of those. He's just wonderful. Love it. Okay. So when things do start opening up again and like, um, however long it takes, do you find yourself that you're going to still dedicate this much time, six hours a week, um, yeah. if not more or less, give or take 
to this podcast? Do you think it's going to expand further? Or you kind of be like, you know what? You know, the itch is kind of coming back. I kind of want to do some sales and marketing and counseling and all that <laughs> stuff. Like, wh- where, do you, where do you see um, the future for yeah. your podcast post-pandemic? I, so I set myself some very clear targets when I launched. I thought, right. Because it's a passion project, I, I looked at the overall average numbers around the world. And I said, right, what's the what's the kind of tiers that they have? And there's a low tier. Libsyn put out really good stats. There's a low tier that if you're over the average, that average amount of downloads per episode, then you are now in the top 50% of podcasts around the world. Mm. So I'm like, you know what? It's a vanity metric. It really doesn't mean anything, but I'm going to gun for that. So I thought three months in, I want to be at that level. Um, it has far exceeded my expectations to the point where it's over 15 times what I thought it would be, uh, which is amazing and a nice thing to happen. But at the same time, it makes me think I'm really poor at forecasting. <laughs> so it was a bit <laughs> depressing. Um, but to me, the response to this has been so tangible and the feedback that I get, um, I don't think I could ever stop doing this now. Um, I enjoy it far too much and the results that I'm seeing in different businesses and different entrepreneurs is so um, important that I think I just need to keep it going. Um, I don't think I'm going to go to any more than two episodes per week uh, because that would be ridiculous. And also that's a lot of content for people to consume. But I I think uh, I'm just going to keep this going and outsource as much of the the admin type things as possible because I want to up my game with each of the different speakers. I want them to have even more from me uh, like to be able to prep better for a show to be able to have uh, transcripts of the interview afterwards and things like that so they can use it in their own channels so just to be able to take their content and use it more and more so for that i don't have the time for that so i'll just keep my va working on that or maybe expand my team even more and get them working on it um but also i want to really support the listeners more and Mm. i have a it's kind of like a patreon it's just an insiders club that i created um, so I just built this on my own website and for $10 a month, they get access to behind the scenes stuff of the podcast. So they get masterclasses from me, they get, um, downloads, they get a whole pile of different things. They get additional content from each of the speakers. But for that, I just literally take that content and dump it in there. And I really want to optimize that and make it a better experience for them. I want my email marketing to be on point, which is not at the moment. It's really poor. So anyone who subscribes to the show via email, they'll get the occasional email. I want that to be regular so they know exactly what's coming up. So it's all those kind of things, man, where um, I don't want to get lost in that detail. I want to keep focusing on getting good speakers on the show, on adding value to people and having those good conversations um, and get somebody else to do all the other stuff. I love it. You know, that's literally the perfect answer because Vince, I'm the ex- I am the exact same way. Like all, yeah. all I want to do is just like, I want to like, I want to reach out to podcasters like yourself. I want to do the research on the people, listen to their stuff, yep. kind of write some notes up and do the show, right? Focus on the content. And as a podcast yeah, host, that should be your main, that should be your main priority. Focus on the content. So if the content's bad, nothing else matters. Like, you know, hire yeah. someone else to do that thing. If you need email marketing, I know a guy. Um, so, you know, you you started th- almost four months ago, at least as of recording this. So recording yep. this in December. This is probably going to get released sometime in 20, uh, maybe February. Um, yep. So what were some of the hurdles when you first started? And you became very successful very fast, which is not that easy in podcasting. A lot of people, you know, they start, they kind of get disgruntled, takes them like a year to get a thousand listeners total. <laughs> so yep. what's what's the secret? 
Um, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> That's a big question, man. Uh, first, first of all, the hurdle, the, the main hurdle I had to overcome was just getting out of my own head. Mm. Uh, like I said, it was just that the fear, and, and this is what I think a lot of people face. They think, I really want to do this, but if I do it, what if it doesn't work? Um, you know what? If it doesn't work, hardly anyone notices it's a mistake. Don't worry about it. Like, seriously, if, if no one watches your podcast, then you're not embarrassed by it. It's just no one watches your podcast and listens to your podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you don't do it, you definitely will fail because, you know, if you don't have a podcast, no one will listen to your podcast. Let's face it. So I had to get out of my head and go, you know what, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to actually just launch anyway. And to do that, I did what I call taking irreversible action. So I just went on to social media and said, that's it. I'm launching a podcast and I'm launching on, the, I think it was the 20th of August, 2020. And that gave me about it was like four or six weeks. It wasn't very long. Um, I said, I'm launching on this date. And then I went, crap, now I need to quickly learn how to make a podcast. <laughs> I need to learn where I should be hosting. So I kind of did all the research and then learned everything really quickly and then got the interviews and recorded a number of interviews up front, which is really important because um, you don't want to launch with one episode. You want to launch with three at least. Um, so that way people who listen to an episode can then go on and listen to another one. Mm. Um, so that was that was one of the secrets I learned early on. But after that, it is part of my thing is just like making sure that the content we have in there is what the listeners want to hear. And the easiest way to do that is you're your own audience. So just get so curious about the people that you have on the show that you're asking the questions you want the answers to. Like be childlike in your your um, kind of create uh, your curiosity and things like just ask as many questions as possible, dig deeper on the things that you want to dig deeper on because that will respond with the audience because nine times out of 10, they're thinking the same thing you're asking. So I thought that was really important. But the other thing is make it as easy as possible for your guests. Like um, I don't understand how people do it when they're just, it's a show with just their voice. Um, Mainly because I would, I would probably run out of things to say after half a year. Um, So I would always encourage people to get as many guests on your show as possible and then make it really easy for those guests to promote it within their networks. Because if you think about it, if you're asked to be on somebody's podcast, that's a big deal for a lot of people. They're like, you know what, That's I'm actually quite proud of that. I get to talk about it. And also for my audience, by saying I'm on somebody else's podcast, that means I'm in demand. So it means that they pay more attention to what I have to say, because obviously, you know, if you, if you're suddenly doing the podcast circuit, then you obviously have something to say. So it adds credibility and trust factor to you. So therefore I'm going to share that in my networks and same as the guests that you have on your show, the more, the easier you make it for them, the more they will share it and the more audience you get exposed to. And then don't stress about uh, my other bit of advice there is don't stress about reviews um, you know, early on, I started asking people for reviews and things like that, thinking that it would help the Apple algorithm. Turns out it has absolutely no impact on the recommendations on Apple. Um, the thing that has the recommendations is your download numbers and the amount of people that subscribe. So always remind people to subscribe. And that will, you know, obviously when they subscribe on Apple, it starts downloading the back catalog so they can listen to it, things mm-hmm. like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that was really good advice. I know that, that, that what stuck with me out of all of that was release three at first, maybe yep. someone else listened to. You know, I I consider myself someone who knows what they're doing, but I never thought of that. So I'm gonna take that <laughs> for this particular <laughs> podcast. So that is a brilliant piece of advice. So what uh, wrapping up here? What is the best advice 
that you have gotten from one of your guests on any of your podcasts? That's not to be about podcasting or entrepreneurship, just pod- advice about anything, life advice, business advice, relationship advice. Throw wow. it at me. That is that is a huge question. Honestly, do we have a couple of hours for me to answer that? No. Um, the, I think probably one of the most impactful pieces of advice, so not necessarily the best advice or anything, because I've had so much good advice from the different speakers I've had on there. Um, but one of the most impactful one was something that one of my guests said where they said, you're something along the lines of you're a human being, you're allowed to have a good day and a bad day. And you have to give yourself permission to have a bad day. And like I've, uh, through most of my life, I've suffered from anxiety, depression, all these kind of things. I think it goes hand in hand with being an entrepreneur half the time. Yep, um, imposter syndrome gets its claws into me all the time. So I've, I, on odd occasion, I've got it mostly under control, but on odd occasion, I'll wake up and I'll go, yeah, what am I doing? Who do I think I am? What makes me think that I can, I should go out and get a proper job again. Like this is craziness. Um, on those days, you feel a level of guilt because you're not producing, you're not working on the business, you just hit the wall. And and as entrepreneurs, we do that often because we tend to burn the candle at both ends and in the middle at the same time. Oh. And so when you have those days, you're actually got to realize that it's okay. Like as humans, you can't be up 100% of the time. You can't be at 100% yeah. productivity 100% yeah. of the time. There are times where you need to prioritize yourself your self-care, your mental health, and just you. So give yourself permission to have a bad day and go, you know what, here's what I'm doing. In fact, I, I, had, um, I had a kind of forced issue with this recently where um, I sustained a head injury. So uh, crazy story, but I bought a new boom arm for my mic so that I can reduce the vibrations on the microphone. It was like, this is awesome. Attached it to my desk, sitting there recording away, and I wondered why the microphone was tipping slightly. And then I looked and the boom arm was actually tearing my desk in half. Uh, it was an Ikea Lemon desktop, so they're, they're actually really crap quality. Yeah, and they was, look amazing. Too heavy. Crap. The, the, weight, yeah. the weight that attaches into the table is too heavy. I oh, did... exactly. And I, I use a Blue Yeti. These things are not light. You know? yeah. So, yeah, trust me. So I had to go out and I went out and bought myself a new tabletop. And it is beautiful. It's this nice hardwood tabletop. I'm really, really happy with it, actually. I'm just looking at it now, just geeking out. Um, so I got it home, put the table together and everything, put, the, you know, put my monitor arms on it and all this. And then thought to myself, I need to get ready for date night because it was a Friday night. Me and my wife were going out. But I thought I could just quickly attach the bass speaker underneath the desk. So I'm lying under the desk and I've got mm. this like bass speaker. It's around 10 kg. It's pretty heavy. And I'm trying to secure it to the underside of the desk. Wife yells out and says, are you almost ready? I said, yeah, yeah I'm just securing this. And that's all I said. She just heard this bang. And then I went quiet. And she was like, what just happened? There's a pause. And then she hears, I think I might've just had an accident <laughs> came into the office here and I was lying under the desk, my head covered in blood. Um, it gashed, it hit me just above the eye and it gashed my head open. And if you've ever had a head injury, you know, even if it's a tiny gash, you bleed a lot. Yeah. So it looked ultra dramatic. So our date night, by the way, was overnight in hospital, which was not fun. Um, but yeah, you, you have a mild concussion and then you get headaches from that for about a week, uh, which apparently is quite normal. And I was basically forced to be unproductive and I had to give myself permission. And that was the advice I got on my that podcast episode was give myself permission to actually heal, give myself permission to look after myself. So I got really good at PlayStation. Um, I got really good at binge watching Netflix and I didn't feel guilty about it because I gave myself permission. It was awesome. All right. Wow. All right. Now I'm going to flip it on you. The best, okay. the best piece of advice you have ever given on a podcast 
Oh, man. Um, I, I, I want to say the best piece of advice I've given outside of a podcast, but it was to somebody else who had a podcast. Okay, um, that works. And that was just make sure, because this was advice that was given to me as well, make sure when you are getting ready for launch that you have checked that you are actually verified for Apple. Um, especially, by the way, this time of year, if you're wanting to launch your podcast before Christmas, forget about it. You um, you need to get a like a trailer episode ready get it up and get it submitted to Apple as fast as possible because it can take a while for that to turn around. Um, but on the, on the episodes themselves, I think the best piece of advice I've given was around someone's story. And it was the fact that everything you go through in life actually matters, even the bad stuff. And so when, when you're looking at, you know, what is my personal brand? What is my brand story and things? And for a lot of people, they go on this journey. And when you're listening to their journey and some of the things that people go through and some of the motivators they have for being an entrepreneur uh, are sometimes horrendous. You know, it's loss of a baby, loss of a loved one, or it was going through trauma or abuse, all these different aspects. Yet all of those different things, as much as we don't want to wish them on anybody else, they actually contribute to who you are. And Everyone I've had on my show have been amazing human beings. They have been people who genuinely care about other humans, who genuinely want to make an impact on the world, who genuinely want to help other people. And all of those things that have happened to them, the good and the bad, have contributed into making them these awesome human beings. So that was the best advice for me, is just for them to realize that actually the bad stuff, we don't have to feel like a victim because of. In fact, the bad stuff helps us it teaches us empathy it teaches us and motivates us to be there for other people um and that i think is worthwhile even though you know i wouldn't wish it on anyone else i grew up in a, a rather nasty environment i grew up in abuse we grew up in poverty um and for years i felt like a victim because of that i felt like that everything you know like why did it all happen to me and why do i have to go through all of this and it wasn't until i realized that i was so passionate about helping other people i wouldn't have had that if I hadn't have gone through the horrible stuff that I had, I wouldn't have been able to understand what it's like for other people who are going through abuse or to understand what it's like for someone, you know, for an entrepreneur who's stressing out about their runway going, I've got no money coming up and I'm really stressing about putting food on the table for my family. I know what it's like to go through that so I can empathize with them and I can give them some stability and give them some, you know, a shoulder to cry on in a lot of cases. I love it. All right, Vince, I couldn't think of a better place to leave this podcast. I want to thank you so much for being a guest here on the Ambiguous Podcast Solution. This 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 whole bit, whole podcast has been a, a giant advice trip. So <laughs> I, I love it. Um, I love your story. Um, I love your podcast. I love what you're doing. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. And I want to thank you again for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Will. Like, honestly, this has been a pleasure. It's always good catching up with you. So this is great. <laughs> All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Vince Warnock. You can find his book on his website, find his podcast on his website, and anywhere else podcasts can be found. Vince, did I forget any other plugs, shameless plugs for you? Please, the floor is yours. Um, no, no, just keep it on that website because there's going to be a virtual summit coming up in late January, uh, which is going to be 2021, a year of growth. So we're going to have speakers from all over the world speaking about how to set your year up to succeed. And trust me, after 2020, you all deserve it. Yeah, that, that's that's for damn sure we're all going to deserve it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the Ambiguous Podcast Solution. If you like what you heard here and you want to hear more, 
make sure you go to ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com and find all the other podcasts. If you want to hear more of my voice, there's two places you can find me, the You Mad Bro podcast where me and Nash Moore break down political and controversial things going on in the news that people just can't stop being mad out, mad about. And the second one is about professional wrestling. So if you're a wrestling geek, Kings of the Rings podcast, that's where you find us. Um, we'll be back next time with a brand new guest and possibly a brand new host. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night.